Welcome to the Frontline Conversations podcast, a platform that discusses issues around public policy and current affairs. We can't wait to share insights that matter to you. Are you ready to have the conversation? This is Frontline Conversations. Good day to all our listeners. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Frontline Conversations. Today, we are joined by the Secretary General of the African Continental Free Trade Area, His Excellency, Mr. Wangele Mene. Today, we'll be talking briefly about the AFC, AFCTA, as it is known. We'll talk about where things currently are, what the future looks like, um, and what are the developments that all of us can expect as we move forward with this. Uh, SG, uh, welcome and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Temi Gosi, um, and I think the first question really uh, to put to you is maybe if you can just give us a sense of where things are uh, since uh, the, the agreement to establish uh, the AFCTA was, uh, was uh, signed and ratified by the required number of members. Maybe can you just give us a sense of where things are currently? Well, thank you very much, um, and thank you for inviting me for this for this conversation. Uh, we have, at the moment, there are 32 African countries that have ratified the agreement, the AFCFTA, in their um, national parliaments, their legislatures. Um, there are out of 55. That is the the the, the fastest. It makes this agreement the fastest agreement to be ratified um, in the history of the African Union, and, and certainly even in the history of the Organization of African Unity. And uh, that signals to Africans that our heads of states are very, very serious and are committed to this agreement. The fact that out of 55 countries, uh, 32 have ratified the agreement in a record time um, is, is unprecedented. We have out of 55 countries, 54 have signed the agreement, which uh, again is a very positive signal of, um, of political commitment. Um, so I think we should, um, we should uh, be, uh, we should welcome this, this uh, um, intensive commitment that we have seen since this agreement was, um, was signed in, in Chigali. We had intended that by now uh, we would have started trading under the preferences of the AFCFTA, but of course COVID-19 um, uh, caused a delay uh, to that objective, uh, but we remain committed to start uh, trading under the AFCFTA on the 1st of January 2021. That is the new um, deadline that the heads of states have given us. And, um, and we are working very hard to make sure that we do indeed uh, meet that deadline. So pra practically, what does it mean, for instance, to say uh, you expect that by the 1st of Jan, maybe you can start trading uh, under the AFC, AFCT, my goodness, I always get this wrong, AFCFTA. So practically, what does it mean uh, for businesses the well, the the main objective of this agreement is market integration. Uh, 
um, in a way we integrate the African continent, the African market in a way that we reduce um, barriers to trade, barriers to investment. Um, we reduce tariff barriers. Uh, we reduce non-tariff barriers, regulatory barriers, um, such that um, you are able to, as a business or as an investor, um, you are able to access new markets relatively um, uh, uh, in a much simpler and more efficient way and cost-effective way uh, than we have uh, before the agreement entered into force. Um, we intend to target the reduction and the uh, uh, and breaking down regulatory barriers, as I've just said, and tariff barriers. Uh, we know that in Africa, the biggest constraint to intra-Africa trade, to intra-Africa investment, and to growth of businesses on the African continent, the biggest barrier is, is um, the, 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 the non-tariff barriers, the regulatory barriers that sometimes um, are not necessary to meet the uh, the objective that they are intended uh, uh, from a regulatory point of view. Sometimes the barriers are a disguised restriction to trade, uh, a disguised restriction to uh, investment. So the objective of the agreement is to eliminate all of these barriers. Of course, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight in the same way that in Europe, it, it took almost 60 years uh, for Europe to become an integrated single market. Um, so there will be challenges on the African continent um, as we implement this agreement. There will be uh, difficulties uh, as we implement it. Some countries will move quicker than others. Um, there will be some regulatory or non-tariff barriers that remain. Um, but the starting point for reduction of all of these barriers that I've mentioned is the 1st of January 2021. And our job as the Secretariat is to assist member states to implement these agree uh, uh, the agreement um, and to, to take us a step closer to boosting intra-Africa trade such that it is um, uh, double we double intra-Africa trade by, by the year 2035. So for investors, for businesses, for exporters, for those who are looking for new markets on the African continent, yes, we start with uh, trading under AFCFTA preferences on the 1st of January, um, but it may take some time, maybe a year or two years before you actually see the benefits um, of you exporting your goods to another country on the African continent, uh, if you are in SADC to another region outside of SADC. This is normal with trade agreements. Uh, it usually takes time before, um, before you actually start seeing the benefits as an exporter or as an investor. That's a very quick one. Uh, your Excellency is, is uh, um, the, the protocols on the trade in goods and the safety have those been finalized uh, to enable the, 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 the CFTA uh, to come into full operation by, by, by January next year? The, the protocol on trade in services is um, 
uh, that the negotiation uh, for liberalization of trading services is ongoing. The protocol has entered into force. The protocol is the regulatory framework um, where the real significance, the commercial value um, resides is in the liberalization commitments. In other words, where each individual country or region um, makes a commitment that we shall liberalize our financial services sector, we shall liberalize our consultancy services sector um, in, in, um, in a way that allows um, uh, uh, foreign players to come into the market. That's where the commercial meaningfulness uh, is. Um, that negotiation is ongoing. I think it will probably take another six to nine months uh, before it is concluded. But certainly, um, trade in services is a very important part of um, commercial uh, activity and cross-border investment on the African continent. So it is very, very important. Trade in goods um, and the protocol on trade in goods is much more uh, advanced. We expect that um, we will soon uh, um, uh, announce uh, in the next uh, month or so, we will soon announce uh, that the negotiators have reached a, a deal on the uh, outstanding negotiating issues. Thank you. Thank you, Excellency. This is Calvin uh, You mentioned that you, you aim to reduce regulatory and, and non tariff areas, but on a practical level, looking at the structure of most African economies, they are not industrialized and most of them that get towards exporting raw materials. So how are you going to deal with the issue of getting those African economies to industrialize to be able to have fair trade in between? Because currently, if you deal with regulatory issues and non-tariff barriers. Some might see South Africa as the one that tends to benefit more than other countries, and that's likely maybe to cause resistance amongst your, your members. The African Union has a number of um, um, industrial development policies. Um, in fact, we, 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 we what we require is an industrial action plan for implementation of those existing um, uh, those existing industrial development policies. They aim to to close exactly the gap that you you have underscored. Um, it is an undeniable fact that there will be countries uh, that will be immediate beneficiaries of this agreement. Uh, countries such as Morocco, Egypt, Kenya, South Africa. These are countries that have a pre-existing um, industrial uh, base, uh, manufacturing capacity and export capacity for value-added production. So they will be, they will be um, immediate beneficiaries. The real challenge and the objective for us is to make sure that we have an industrial action plan that we are implementing, which will um, ensure that we have value chains that are continental, 
so that countries that today may not have the industrial capacity um, in 15, in 30 years time, in 40 years time, they will have the requisite industrial capacity. And you don't have to start with a sophisticated value chain uh, for industrialization. You don't have to start with um, the manufacturing of automobiles. In fact, if I go by this example, by, by, as, since I've mentioned automobiles, um, an automobile has over 30,000 components. Many of them come from agro-processing. Um, so it is possible to look at Africa's uh, um, economy and to make an assessment of the type of value chains that we want to focus in, um, the extent to which they will have um, labor uh, intensive um, impacts on national economies. We know, for example, that um, Lesotho is part of the, the value chain for the export of, um, of automobiles that South Africa exports under AGOA. Um, so it's not something that has not been done before. If you go to um, East Africa, we know that um, uh, uh, today Uganda has a trade surplus with Kenya. Um, but 15, 20 years ago, um, Uganda was uh, apprehensive about a, um, a, a trade agreement and a customs union with, uh, with Kenya uh, because they were worried that they would not be competitive enough. But if you, if you focus your industrial development um, policy and the action plan on um, complementarities, on specialization, on targeted value chains, um, it is possible to succeed in less than a generation. Um, apart from uh, the example of Lesotho that I mentioned, we know this from uh, also from China. Um, so I think we have to take a long-term view for how we will be able to uh, uh, um, ensure that all countries on the African continent um, are, are beneficiaries of this agreement from an industrial development point of view. Some countries will not be interested uh, in, um, in, in production manufacturing. They may want to focus on the services sector, um, which is quite, which is fine. Uh, if you are a small country with a small population, um, you may want to focus on something different. So I think we have to take a long-term view for Africa's industrial development and the action plan that is required. Uh, and we implement it from a continental perspective uh, rather than the regional and country perspective that we have been focusing on. So industrial development, industrial action plan, absolutely critical and is a priority for us as we implement uh, this agreement. From, the, from an infrastructure perspective, um, I know, for instance, one of the, the biggest uh, inhibitors or drivers of uh, the cost of trade on the continent is inadequate uh, infrastructure, cross-border cross infrastructure. Uh, what attempts does the CFTA make towards bridging uh, that infrastructure deficit, working with other different uh, structures and processes within the continent? 
because one would imagine that if you can't get goods uh, fast enough, for instance, from Southern Africa into Central Africa or West Africa, whatever the case may be, then all the good work that you do in terms of bringing down uh, regulation compliance, uh, improving uh, checks at borders and synchronizing uh, you know, protocols will really not bear fruit uh, in the absence of that infrastructure. And perhaps a second point linked to that is the involvement of uh, international partners because a lot of what you are describing requires investment. Uh, so to build that, uh, to build that industrial capacity on the continent, you will need investors. And we know uh, there has been an increase in, in investment into the continent, primarily coming out of China. But we've also seen, I think in, in recent years, certainly over the last two years, this sort of uh, growth of ultra-nationalism where you have uh, the likes of Make America Great Again, Americans talking about American money investing in American domestic production. Uh, so where do you see the money coming from? Firstly, to invest in that infrastructure, but secondly, to establish that industrial capacity that will allow countries to trade more with one another. Well, let me start with the infrastructure. Um, uh, for precision, we, we, we have no mandate over infrastructure development. Um, so we're in a very difficult position where we, we don't have mandate over infrastructure development. However, um, as you pointed out, um, you need infrastructure to facilitate trade. So there is a clear complementarity there between uh, infrastructure development and, and enhancing and boosting intra-Africa trade. That means that we have to work with the African Development Bank. We have to work with the Southern African Development Bank. We have to work with a number of um, uh, development finance institutions uh, to make sure that, uh, that the, the, there is adequate investment um, on infrastructure development, particularly as it relates to, um, uh, to trade, the facilitation of trade. Now, again, here, there are models on the African continent for how infrastructure development for trade, how it has uh, succeeded. Particularly in East Africa, um, there are models for um, uh, how uh, the East African community focused on one border uh, post, um, whether it's hard infrastructure or soft infrastructure for one border post, but it is it has happened uh, on the continent. In respect of the the um, uh, investment that is required, uh, it's again this is an area that governments themselves uh, have got to decide where where they want their sources of investment to come from. Our role is to create uh, um, the conducive environment, um, the necessary continental legal framework for investors to have confidence to invest. Um, uh, and whether we are talking about infrastructure, um, financial technology, what this agreement does is to establish a, uh, a regulatory framework, a single set of rules for trade and investment on the African continent of facilitating commercial presence on the African continent, uh, of providing legal certainty and predictability of the market. So, but beyond that, um, 
uh, it is for governments to decide which from from where they want to to uh, attract uh, investment but i think what the heads of states did with this agreement is to um uh, to lay the basis for um a, a continental um a, a continental and positive investor climate now i suppose towards uh, towards uh, ending our, our, our short short question um sorry our short uh, session uh, from a from a support uh, support point of view uh, or rather partnership point of view what kind what kinds of engagements are you having currently with business communities across the continent and what opportunities are there uh, for businesses with uh, national champions in their own countries with multinational investors uh, what opportunities do they have uh, to interface with your office to support the work that you do? And where do you see that partnership, if there is one, moving over the next few years? Uh, this agreement is, is, um, is for the private sector. It's not for governments. Um, and as much as, as trade negotiators, we think it's a wonderful agreement, but if the private sector does not make uh, full use of it, uh, it is not going to be, um, uh, uh, it's not going to be a success. So it mean, that means that in the implementation of the agreement, the private sector has to be at the center. Uh, so we intend to establish a, um, a private sector uh, a round table building on the AFCFTA business forum that already exists, um, uh, which has convened uh, twice now. Um, uh, it's important that we, we have a very clear uh, engagement strategy for the private sector, and we have a, a continuous and an ongoing dialogue uh, with the private sector. So I would say that um, uh, um, expect to see in the next few months uh, us establishing a, a platform for engaging uh, the private sector and a dialogue for engaging the private sector. And then civil society more broadly, NGOs, community-based, I know that may be a bit more difficult uh, to pull together than business because business tends to be more organized. Uh, but you well, I, I have started. Um, I have started having discussions with the with the civil society. Uh, for example, when I was in um, um, when I was in Nigeria last month or the month before, I met with um, uh, a, an organization of women in trade. I met with uh, uh, students. I met with uh, the the labor formations. Uh, so we do have an advocacy strategy that includes uh, civil society too. Um, and this is something that we're going to roll out uh, and have a, a, a formal uh, platform for engaging our civil society community across the African continent. Uh, and perhaps lastly, on that, uh, if you're able to share, what's coming out of those engagements, particularly with, uh, with civil society? What what messages are being relayed to uh, by civil society foundations uh, in the countries where you have met them? 
the civil society uh, uh, formations that I have spoken to remind me that um, in my swearing-in statement on the 19th of March, they remind me that I said that if we leave behind very important segments of our society, and that if we focus only on the big corporations, uh, that we this agreement will not succeed. So they say to me, we are waiting to see how you are going to put into practice that statement that you made uh, during your swearing-in ceremony. Um, and I say to them, well, I, I actually don't need to be reminded because um, this is something that is very, very important. Um, stakeholder consultation across the board is, is very, very important and that um, we have to bring um, these very important segments of our society, we have to bring them with us as we implement the agreement. SG, let's not take up uh, any more of your time. Uh, thank you for joining us for this short conversation. We okay. hope that uh, we can uh, lean on you again on the 2nd of January, <laughs> while you are still uh, enjoying your, your festive season, having gotten the new year. Uh, just to reflect uh, a bit more on where we'll be going. But uh, from Frontline side, thank you very much for giving us the time. Uh, we look okay. forward to having future engagements with you. No, thank you very much. Thank you very much, colleagues. To keep up to date with public policy and current affairs, follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn as Frontline Africa Advisory, Twitter at FAA underscore advisory, Facebook, Frontline Africa Advisory, YouTube, Frontline Conversations, and our website, www.frontlineafrica.co.za. You don't want to